We're in Judges uh, chapter 5, but actually we'll be talking about chapter 6. Chapter 5 is simply a song of celebration. And Israel, as a people, would sing songs after they had a military victory. They sang songs to King Saul. They sang songs to King David. But this song, it's led by Deborah and Barak. And I'll only mention several verses that are in chapter 5. You can read through that song and at your own time. But in cha- uh, verses 5 and 6, we have Shamgar, who killed 600 people with what he had in hand, 600 of the enemy, with an ox goad. That's, that's quite a few to kill for one man. And then we read about Jael and how she drives the tent peg through Sisera's head, nails him to the ground, and she's honored. In verses 16 and 17, Deborah, she has a question for the tribes who did not join uh, Israel in going up and fighting against Jabin and Sisera their common enemy and and she basically says why were you content to stay home and not join the battle against our enemy and then in that uh, verses 16 and 17 there's a chastisement by Deborah upon those tribes that did not enter the battle but then verses 24 and 27 again we hear of JL being honored for her heroic killing her heroic assassination of General Sisera. She nailed him to the ground. But now we move into chapter 6 of Judges. So let's read verses uh, 1 through 6, and we'll make uh, commentary on those. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because the Midianites, the children of Israel, made for themselves the dens, caves, and strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up, also the Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them. And they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no substance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. We have here a pattern, the same old pattern for Israel. And it's basically they go period through a period of success, a deliverance by God. And really, they just plain can't handle it. <laughs> Many Christians have trouble appreciating God's blessings. Having a thankful heart. Too often we fall into the trap of taking God's blessings for granted. 
I was talking to a good friend of mine a while back, and uh, he made a remark after overhearing some people complain. And he looked at me and he says, you know, he's almost my age, not quite. He says, we're living the good old days right now. And I thought, how true. This friend of mine and my kids and his kids are grown. So the financial drain that goes on <laughs> to raise children, it's not there anymore. We got loads of money to <laughs> disperse of. But anyway, we have, in my opinion, though, an obligation as Christians to support worthy causes with our monies. We're called upon by God to support His kingdom. God doesn't need our money, not for a minute, but we're allowed to support God's kingdom. And I think that to be a good steward, you have to do that. But don't be like Israel. How they repeatedly fell back into sin after God would bless them. Israel has been under the judges about oh, roughly 160, 180 years. And because back when Joshua uh, had Israel march around Jericho, well, that's, that's been quite a few years back. And time has passed. And the victories, their previous victories, are just that their previous victories. And Israel, again, sins against God, and God raises up the Midianites and the Malachites, and they are his instrument of correction against Israel. Interesting that the Midianites descended from a man called Midian. You know who Midian was? He was Abraham and Keturah's son. And now he is an enemy of Israel. And these enemies of the east would wait until Israel had uh, grown their crops and were in the midst of harvesting. And they would come along in with their camels and with their donkeys and with their sheep. And they wouldn't simply raid Israel, but they would come in and camp out in Israel and consume and devour all of the grain, all of the produce that Israel had worked to plant and harvest. And in verse 6, Israel, they're impoverished. They are dirt poor. That's real poor when you're dirt poor. <laughs> However, Israel realizes our strength is in our Lord. And they begin to cry out to God. God has not deserted Israel, but sometimes things must get really rough before we really cry out to God with our whole heart. Israel is stubborn, and they're so stubborn it's to their own destruction. But when they're totally down and out, they know to turn to God, and God delivers them 
God is faithful. I can identify with that to a degree. Have you ever said something like, this is my mess and I will clean it up? I suggest repentance. (laughs) Repentance is a much easier path. But let's look at verses 7 through 10. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of of all who oppress you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. God has sent a prophet to Israel. And this prophet tells Israel, God delivered you from Egypt. He delivered you out of severe bondage, out of slavery. And God has been faithful to you, Israel. He's been faithful to you in the past, and he will be faithful to you in the future. So do not be afraid of the Midianites. And for us, do not be afraid of evil, godless politicians. Who are seeking our vote. How contemporary is that? When we're bombarded by the news media, when they paint a hopeless picture of criminal activity, even in uh, perhaps a candidate, and we hear things like, no charges will come for us against this candidate because it's, it's over and done with and that kind of thing. But you know, these criminals, these crooked politicians, they have not escaped God's eye. They haven't escaped the attention of God. They don't realize that God is in control. But Alabama, I don't know if you follow politics, but right now Alabama's in a mess, politically speaking. All of our state leaders seem to have charges being brought against them. But yet, to a person, they all claim to be Christians who attend church. And if you haven't noticed, Alabama is the belt buckle of the Bible belt. We're there, man. This is it. (laughs) But evil attend this church also. And they attend on a regular basis. So don't lose heart. Pray for or maybe even pray against some of those that are in authority over us. But God has sent a prophet to Israel. They didn't listen. So now we have Jesus himself coming on the scene. Verse 11 and 12. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the Tirabith tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abazite, 
while the son of Gideon threshed wheat in a winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Some people have trouble, have a problem with Jesus appearing in person in the Old Testament. Newsflash. Jesus did not have his beginning in Bethlehem. That's when he became a man born of Mary. He became a man and dwelt among us for 33 years. However, Jesus was there on the scene. In fact, all the creation responsibility was given to Jesus, our creator. So take note. Jesus makes an appearance as a man under a terebith tree, which is another way of saying an oak tree. And Jesus greets Gideon with, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And I'm sure Gideon looked over his shoulder to see who Jesus was talking to. <laughs> because Gideon is hiding in a wine press. And he's threshing wheat in a wine press. I don't know if you know anything about threshing wheat. You need wind. You need air to circulate. You need They do it with giant fans and everything now. And they would throw the grain in the air and the wind would blow away the shaft. And that you sought out a high place. And a high windy place was better yet. And Gideon is in a wine press. An enclosed wooden container type thing. Threshing out a little wheat to make a little bit of bread. Verse 13, Gideon said to him, Gideon's replied to Jesus, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Many, many Christians read books that are written about why does bad things happen to good people? Happens to be a favorite subject for many writers. There is a movement within the Christian church called prosperity theology. And the thought behind prosperity theology is I am a child of God, and I am entitled to the blessings that God gives. And they don't talk about the other side of the coin. And that movement is widespread. Prosperity doctrine is rampant throughout the world. And it is especially appealing to people that live in a third world nation in poverty. But there are so many verses that are contrary to receiving the blessings of God without receiving the cross of Christ. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, hey, take up your cross and follow me. A cross, an emblem 
of shame. Take up your shame. Take up your persecution. Take up your suffering and follow me. We're also told that whom Jesus loved, he chastens. He chastises those he loves. He disciplines his own children, and we are his children. Understand that God, by his Spirit, is preparing you and I to be in heaven with him. And that preparation means knocking off some of our rough edges. It's that simple. We hear things like, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. I go along with that, yeah. But realize this, in heaven there's no repentance. We will be free of sin in heaven, so there will be no need to repent. So where do the edges have to come off? Right here today. It's hard for us to comprehend that I'll never have to repent once I get to heaven because it's a daily chore with me. <laughs> There's a couple things I ask for, for from the Lord every morning. Don't lead me into temptation. Keep me away from sin, God. You know I'm weak. And put a guard on my mouth. Put a guard on my mouth. I don't want to be saying things that are, are misconstrued, that are ugly, are not encouraging. But we hear Gideon, and Gideon wants to know why all the bad things are happening to Israel. And Lord, where are all the miracles that we heard that you did for our fathers? And these questions can riddle our minds even today. But Gideon's questions are out of line. For God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Gideon, I'm not sure he realizes this is God, is openly challenging God himself. God, where are your miracles? I don't see any miracles. I'm hiding in a wine press to thresh wheat, God. And I think each and every one of us at some time have prayed for God to perform some miracle on our behalf. I know I have. I've heard Christians pray and tell God all he needs to do is speak a word and it's a done deal. And truth be known, I've prayed that way myself. But look. Carefully listen to what Jesus has to say to Gideon, and that's in verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Jesus will not allow Gideon to question his sovereignty. 
Gideon cannot question the plans and purposes of God. There are times when God simply tells us, stand on what I have told you, stand on my word. That's your responsibility. Back in the book of Joshua, when Jesus appeared to Joshua, Joshua asked a question, are you for us? Are you for our adversary? Jesus had a reply. No. No. (laughs) Or bad question, Joshua. The arrogance of man in our relationship with God, it can be amazing. In Proverbs, we read, and God's word declares to us, Can the clay pot say to the potter, why did you make me this way? The Pharisees caught a woman in adultery, and they bring her and put her in front of Jesus, and they want Jesus to condemn this woman, and they want Jesus to condemn her to a stoning death. What did Jesus do? He knelt down and wrote on the ground. He didn't answer him. And this group of self-righteous, condemning Pharisees began to leave when they see what Jesus wrote on the ground. And they leave beginning with the oldest first. And now it's been speculated, what did Jesus write? I think he probably wrote some of their sins down. But anyway, that's just me. In my past, I have God, have had God tell me that he can't tell me the truth about certain issues right now because I couldn't handle it. Now, that's a hard thing to hear. I've asked God a lot of questions and been maybe a little too bold. And I've had him lead me to a verse, and that verse said, I have many things to say to you, but you're not able to bear them now. Well, that'll let the air out of your balloon. (laughs) But when we consider who we are and who God is, it should humble us. An Orthodox Jew believed to offer up a personal prayer is prideful nonsense. Therefore, an Orthodox Jew uses what they call prayer books. And you look through these prayer books and you try to find a prayer that some rabbi has written that is similar or close to your situation because you dare not be so arrogant to think you can talk to God directly. Gideon is questioning God. Notice Jesus' response to Gideon. He gives Gideon a commission. God doesn't defend himself. He just says, Go, Gideon, in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from these Midianites. 
the same ones you're hiding from. Understand, and this is a little difficult sometimes for us to understand, God sees the future as if it was the past. He dwells outside of time. God is not just giving Gideon a positive reinforcement pep talk. God is telling Gideon where the problem lies. God is speaking history to Gideon before it happens. And only God can do that. In Gideon's thinking, God's words are promises. But for God who knows the beginning from the end, the future is as plain to God as the past. We have little sayings. We like to say things like, hindsight is twenty-twenty," Because we look back upon the past and it all makes sense and we can make good judgments. We even say, I wish I'd have known all the details before I made my decision. I could have prepared myself better. God is omniscient. But easy for me to say. He knows the future. God dwells in the ever-present now. God has sent a prophet to Israel, and they were called seers in, uh, in the old days, in the Old Testament. And all of Israel is personally told by this prophet what's going to happen, and then Jesus appears to Gideon. The prophet's message, God brought Israel out of the bondage from Egypt, drove out all the enemies of the promised land, and then he says, so do not fear these Amorites or Midianites. And Jesus himself has the same message for Gideon, a one-on-one. -on -one. Notice how patient God is with Israel, they sin. God sends a deliverer. They repent, and that cycle goes on. Now notice how patient God is with Gideon. He doesn't say to Gideon, hey, you're toast after challenging me on my authority. But notice how patient God is to you and me. God's patience with mankind is amazing. I appreciate God's grace and his mercy, and I deeply appreciate his patience with me. While we were yet sinners, totally separated from God, God sent his son to suffer and die on the cross so we could have salvation or be reconciled to God. And the message of the cross 
should always be in the forefront of our minds and hearts before God. The cross of Jesus is a constant reminder of God's love towards us. And God's message of the cross, it goes forth time after time. How many times did you hear the message of the cross before you took it and ran with it in faith and became a Christian? God's patience. God's long-suffering. Never, ever allow the message of the cross to become ordinary or common. It's the power of God for our salvation. Let's go back to Gideon's conversation with Jesus for a couple verses, 15 and 16. So Gideon said to Jesus, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. It's a done deal, Gideon, not because of you, but because of me. We will continue the, the saga, the story of Gideon next week. But consider, let's really consider how God has been so faithful to bring each of us into a personal relationship with himself. Understand that God's promises to you and me are history. They've already been written. They've already been done. And once Gideon becomes obedient to God... Great miracles will come forth in his life, but the obedience had to come first. And so God didn't answer Gideon. <clears throat> he simply said, I'm going to give you a job to do, Gideon. Go do it, and then we'll see what happens. Amen? Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, I would pray that we would understand to the point of it perhaps changing our life and our attitude towards you. That we would see that you are God and you control our future as well as you, you've controlled our past. That we would see if our obedience is to you, if it's true, if it's real, then we can expect you to do great things on our behalf. You delivered all of Israel through one man. Time and again, you use one man to be a deliverer. And Lord, who knows how you want to use each of us. But we do know you've called us to yourself. We do know that you have good works for us to do, works that remain, and we want to do those works, Lord. We don't want to be questioning you like Gideon. We don't want to be putting you to the test. We want to be obedient. So give us a heart, Lord, that responds to your great love and mercy. And thank you for being patient with us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
The Lord bless you and keep you. 